Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. I woke up this morning and uh, opened up my, one of my presents and found out I had an IOU inside it. <laughs> and because uh, you're expecting to see somebody else up here this morning, and uh, I'm very, very, very sorry to announce that uh, Jim LaFoon called me at uh, the last minute, and uh, Jim oversees literally hundreds of churches. And what happened was down in Florida, a tragedy happened uh, in a pastor's family. Um, so Jim had to jump on a, an airplane uh, to go and break the news to the church, and apparently it's a huge mess. So he called me and said, David, I need to be able to reschedule. And uh, of course, it was, you know, said, um, yeah, of course, you know, we'll, you know, we want to support you and our for you, Jim, and for that church down there, and we spent some time talking. So we have re- rescheduled for February 16th, and apparently another church is getting bounced for that date, so too bad for them. But anyway, we're going to get them. We're going to get them February 16th. I don't know what that other church is. God bless them, because uh, that pastor will have to get up there and do the same thing. But anyway, I so apologize. And uh, um, as you know, I've been working very hard to get Jim to come. And I promise you, when he does come, it's going to be a tremendous blessing. So uh, uh, he's, he's an awesome brother. And those of you who have known him, but God has just used him in wonderful ways. So tell you what, can we just reset and uh, let's pray this morning, and uh, because I wasn't preparing, or hadn't prepared this message uh, until the last minute, so, but I feel like God has given me a word for you today. So, Lord, we thank you that you're here. God, that you love us, that you're for us. God, this is a season. Lord, we're kind of in this, this little pause, this pregnant pause right now. Father, as we're waiting for 2014 to come. Lord, we look back at 2013, and Lord, there were a lot of challenges. Lord, a lot of things in the news Lord, that kind of shook us, uh, turned us, inspired us. Lord, maybe made us a little more uh, uh, jaded. But Lord, we put our hope in you because it is all about you. And Lord, we, 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 we sang about that this morning. But Lord, we know that's easier said than done. And so Lord, we ask you this morning, God, to, to help us take another step in the direction, Lord, of hope. Another direction in preparing for what you want to do in our lives in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I thought about the message this morning, I, <laughs> it, was, it was funny because this kind of came over me, and this will probably be a message down the road, but it was kind of like one of these things that came upon me. It was just like, David, what would you preach if you didn't care what anybody thought? You know? And I think, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's right. And, uh, but, you know, so I'm not going to do that this morning. But yeah, yeah, shh because you'd probably run me out on a rail or come back next Sunday and nobody would be here. But, you know, it got me to think about that just for a moment. It got me to think about, gosh, why are pastors so intimidated? Why are so pastors so in a place of fear of being able to preach the word as it says? And it made me realize that, folks, we got a wake-up call upon us. And it is that, you know, we have really adjusted, we've, we've had to back off, we've had to, to take culture into consideration, we've had to do a lot of things to try to make room for everyone at the table, and which I think is, is awesome, it's grace, it's sharing the, the word of God, you know, truth in love, and all of that is biblical, it's very, very strong, but sometimes I think we've gone a little too far in, in soft-pedaling the word of God, and, and, uh, and that concerns me because I see our nation adrift. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, we're a local church. And one of the things that I'm really excited about 2014 is becoming more identified with who we are as a church. Becoming and understanding who we are called to be. Uh, because I got this, this picture, and this is actually the sermon before the sermon, so just hang in there. But I got this picture that I believe is prophetic because, you know, Jim was going to bring a prophetic word to us as a church, and he still is. And we need that. We really need a prophetic injection in these days. But, you know, I saw this picture as I was worshiping, and it was just like, wow, that, that's pretty strong. But that, you know, we're in this 
we're in this army, and we all have weapons. We've all been given what we need in order to fight. But up and down the ranks, there is just kind of this mentality of, yeah, can't wait for the army to start fighting. I can't wait for the army to do something. I can't wait for the army to, to, to really take some new ground. And then it dawned on me as I was listening and kind of thinking that through and seeing the image in my mind, was, and then the Lord just spoke and he just said, you are the army. <laughs> what is in your hands? A gun. Do you have ammunition? Yes, I do. Then you're the one who's supposed to be shooting. You're the one. Don't be looking for hope from another place. Don't be looking for Gandalf coming over the mountain in the bright of the sun. Don't be looking for that lost regiment that will come and bail you out at that moment. It was just like the Lord was saying, you are the church. What is in your hand? Use it. And so I, I just bring that to you today, just to just encourage you. Because I, I, as we're worshiping, you know, sometimes I just look around and I can, I can, you know, just feel you. I can feel where you are. Some of you are battling. Some of you are trying to figure out who you are and what you're called to be. Some of you are looking to the church. You're looking to the army to be your salvation. When God says, you're it. I've put in you. Some of you are really starting to just struggle through certain uh, consequences of, of decisions in your life. And you're working through that. And man, you got a, a big, nasty tangle ball there that you're having to pull out one string at a time. And God just says, you know what? Just put that aside. Pick up the weapon, stand to post, and begin to fire, begin to pray, begin to move forward, and let him take care of that. And so I feel like in this coming year, you know, God is going to, is, is going to help to firm us up. He's going to help us as a church stand to post, to uh, become, come into our identity more. And most certainly, my heart is that every single person would be able to gather that identity, understand that. And as a pastor, it's very difficult. It's like herding cats, as they say, to try to keep everybody on board and moving forward. Some people bail and say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I didn't sign up for that. I don't want to be a part of a church that's real. I don't want to be a part of the church that, you know, believes most of the Bible. I'd rather have just, you know, the nice things. But, unfortunately, well, fortunately, that's not the way it works out. This, this walk, this journey is hard. Have you noticed that? It's hard. It's not an easy journey. And so, in light of that, I have this message. And that is to encourage you. To really build you up. And so I want to give you ten reasons to hope as you look forward today. It is a hard journey. And there are times when you just kind of have to sit down and take, you know, you know, go through your bag, go through your soul, go through your heart and say, okay, what's real? Because there's a whole lot of shadow boxing that goes on. You know, you know what I mean by that? You know, we get afraid of something that didn't happen, never going to happen, but we're still afraid of it. And yet it's that shadow, it's that thing that, that constantly wears away at us. And, and Jesus is saying, why are you doing that? Why are you doing, why are you worrying about tomorrow? Why are you worrying about that? You know, it's got enough of, you know, I've got grace that you need today. And so I want you to take these 10 things and I want you to allow them by the Spirit of God to be laid into your soul right now. I'm talking your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Let it, let it get wrapped up in there. As Christians, walking, walking daily in the grace of God, it is a challenge. It shouldn't be, I know. But it just isn't a bed of roses and a flowing, tranquil river as romanticized sometimes. It can be and often is hard. But we have every reason to hope because we do carry with us the testimony of God's faithfulness over and over again. Isn't that awesome what we heard from Lee this morning? That's a testimony. And of course, you know, he's zippity doo da day and he's, he's dancing over there. But we should be dancing with him because he's us. That's a part of, that's a part of the body. He's us. And where God does good things, that means he's going to do good things for us. He can and will and often does 
His testimony is our testimony. I think the reason why we don't remember the victories as much as the battles is because the battles can take such a long time. But the victory often comes in a burst of wondrous joy. And we forget them. You know, we forget them because it, it, it only took up so much time of our soul. It only took up so much time in there. But the battle, whoo, was long. Was the battle long, Lee? Well, <laughs> amen. So he, <laughs> well, he's an amazing guy. But five years, five years. You'll never forget the battle. And all of us can understand that when you're waiting, waiting. 1159, 1159.59, When? When are you going to move? Consequently, we should take time to remember and celebrate our victories. These victories compound and give us a never-ending reason to hope even when another struggle comes. So as we prepare to add another year to our life, we can look forward to with every reason to hope. And these are my ten reasons. Number one, Jesus knows me and you by name. He knows you by name. That's pretty cool. He's a busy God. He's got a lot going on. Billions and billions of people from the past in the future. Now remember, he's omniscient. That's a lot to remember. Everything. <laughs> and he knows you. He knows me. Every hair on her head, every cell in your body, every part of who you are. And you know what's funny? Is that we'll walk out this door today and we'll, we'll forget that. We will forget that. We will feel isolated. We will feel cut off. There will be times when we like, God, why don't you care? Why don't you see? He does see. He knows you better than anyone else will ever know you. And there are people who know a lot about us or think they know a lot about us. So I wrote here in the note, notes, Jesus, he knows me by name, but Lord, help me, Lord, not to forget your name. Because isn't that really what it comes down to? He knows us. But really the challenge, where we can really find the spring of hope here. I mean, we're, we're literally, you know, an effervescent layer of nothingness away from finding hope by just saying the name of Jesus, by just talking to him. And how often do we miss that opportunity? It's not rocket science, folks. There is no difficulty to this whatsoever, except a holding out of a hand. I think sometimes we are a little stubborn. I think sometimes we're a lot of bit of stubborn. And what we want in our heart is for somebody to take my hand and hold it up and say, Lord, please help me. Mm. Doesn't count. Doesn't count when you're forced. But when it comes from the will, folks, get to know him because he knows you. And all we have to do is simply just take a step in that direction, pure and simple. Amen. End of the story. We can go home with that one. And everybody said amen. Jesus knows us. Number two, all things work for good. It's not always our good alone, though. And that's the thing we've got to remember. I love that verse there in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work for the good of those who God, are called according to his purpose. He knows us by name. He's got a purpose for my life in every bit he is going to use. He's got a pie going on in your life, and he's throwing all the ingredients in. And you're thinking, how's that going to work out? You ever tasted allspice? Man, that's nasty stuff. But just a little bit, woo, it makes that pumpkin pie come to life. Just a little bit. All ingredients, all ingredients of our life, pieces of our life that we make, it's just like, no. I don't see how salt is going to work. I don't see how that's going to work. That, that's not good. That doesn't taste good, Lord. I don't want that about in the pie of my life. I don't need that. God says, yes, you do. Because it is my mixture your life is my mixture. 
all things are going to work out. I'm going to use it all. But what about the tragedies? Going to use them. Going to use them. Man, I love to listen to the stories of some. And they tell me, when you're on the other side of it, you know, I never knew how God was going to use this. But I see him using it, and I just smile. I say, yes. He uses every portion, every piece. I look at my own life. You know some of the story of my life, and some people can just say, well, it was because you were called to ministry. No, 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 no. I have a choice every day whether to use my past as something to launch me into hope or not. So the beautiful part about hope, or I guess the tougher part about hope, it, it is beautiful, but it is tougher, is that we have a choice in this. We do have a choice to realize that all things will work for good. Again, it's not always just my good. Sometimes there are difficulties that happen in my life for the purpose of being to encourage others. You know? And you look at it, I still don't know. Have you looked back at your life and say, and if you've been walking with God any length of time at all, and you've said, I still don't get it. <laughs> I still don't understand why. Well, most of those you're not going to get until you get to heaven. And we'll probably spend a millennia still trying to figure it out. But you look at it and you just say, okay, well, I don't understand what the good was for me, but I see you using it for others. I can look into the eyes of someone, maybe a young lady, who's raped every single day from the age of five until 16, and be able to look at her with, with conviction and say, God is good, and he loves you, and he's going to use this. You were taken advantage of by the person you trusted the most. They tore your soul out. Guess what? God is going to use it. And he's going to use it in such a mighty way that you'll look into the eyes of another gal who is in that place and say, you know what? God's going to use this. And in that floods the grace of God. You've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. Man, if you're broken, if you're needy, and if you've had tough, tough things in your life, guess what, man? You won the lottery. The lottery of God's grace. Not the other one. Forget that one. That ain't going to make you happy. But the lottery of God's grace, man, you scratch that off, you find out God, for, for who is forgiven much, God loves much. Where there is need, God pours it in. I found that out in my life. And even Paul had to come to that place to say, listen, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you don't have to sin so that grace may increase. Don't do that. And the reason why he was challenged that way and, 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 and responded to the Romans that way is because they misunderstood what he was saying. They thought, oh, man, if we just keep sinning, we'll get more of God. Yes, but no. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Well, you know, you need to get past that side. But he's just saying, but where there has been sin, where there has been struggle, where there has been battle, that is all qualification. Those are, those are holes in the ground that God will fill up with his grace. You know, you ever seen a lake that's been completely drained? There's one down in Hope Mills, North Carolina. Poor, I mean, I feel bad. All these beautiful homes around this lake. Their dam broke. And now it looks like a DMZ. I mean, it's nasty. This big hole in front of these beautiful homes. You can imagine waking up in the morning with your cup of coffee and look at that. Snakes and evil creatures and, ah, coming up out of the hole. Not a nice thing to look at. That's our life. But God comes in and pours in his grace. And what does it become? A shimmering pool of life. That's him. That's him. That's what he can do. All things, every hole can be filled. No weapon, number three, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. But I wrote, but some will be formed. <laughs> Because sometimes you look at that verse and you just say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. That comes out of uh, Isaiah 54, verse 17. And I love that verse. It's like, it will not prosper, man. Everyone, you're going to shut the mouths of those who rise up to curse my name. You're going to shut down every attempt of the devil. But you know what? Some are formed. Man, you open up your, your house, you get, you know, you're getting up in the morning, you're getting ready to go, and you open up the door, and there's a, a, 
you know, a big cannon aimed right at you. Huh? Shut the door. Good grief. What is that? And you're standing and you creak the door open. Oh, my gosh. What's going on here? That's exactly what happens, you know, from time to time. The enemy wheels his cannon up to your door because he's tired of you acting like a Christian and he's going to shut you down, or at least he's going to try to. But he's got no ammunition. All he's got is a formed weapon. Because what does the Bible say? It will not prosper. What does that mean? It won't work. That's what it means. Man, you, you, you're gonna pull, he's going to pull back the trigger and it's just going to plop. Misfire every single time. So don't freak out at the weapons that are formed because they will be formed. But they will not prosper. And I'll tell you what, you can get a lot of hope out of that. I mean, get pumped up about that. Get excited because it should help you now. It makes sense now. Oh, when some coworkers rise up and start gossiping against me. Oh, when I get a bad report or feel a lump or I, I'm not feeling well or there's a fear that comes over me or something like that. Oh, but realize it will not prosper. It will not prosper. Number four, we have been given power and a sound mind. Oh, man, 2 Timothy 1.7, great verse. Great verse. Man, you can hold on to that thing. It's so powerful and true. We have been given the Spirit of God, which is secure. You and me, our souls, I mean, we're broken. Our EQ, our emotional quotient, quotient sometimes it's not that high. We might be brilliant. We might have, you know, might be a rocket science. But man, the first thing that doesn't go your way, we're, ah, and you know, we whine, we complain, we struggle. But God says, that's not what I put inside you. If you'll start tapping into that, you'll start to, you know, just be aware of the Lord's presence. Be aware. I'll give you an example. You're acting up. You're acting a little insecure. Maybe you're cutting people off, not being so nice. You want to take your toys and you want to go home. Been invited to a party and you're just going to stand in the corner. Until somebody very, very important walks in the room. You know, start buttoning up, start pulling it together, and you start acting straight and good, and you, you line it up, and man, you're dressed right dress now. Because somebody important just came in there, or somebody you really like, some Hollywood person. I don't know. Just somebody important to you. And then you start pulling it together. Why do you start pulling it together? Because you see value. And the moment we see Jesus in our life, does the same thing. Does the same thing. The moment. You ever tried that out? You're in a place, and you, and you might be thinking, man, there's nobody around here I know. Maybe you're in another state. Maybe you went to Las Vegas. I don't know. The moment you see Jesus there, it changes things. It changes things. And what the Bible tells us is that then he will come upon us and give us that sound mind. You ever, you ever hit your head and said, I could have had a V8? When you're talking about sin, and you're going, why did I just do that? That was stupid. Why did I say that? Why did I say that unkind thing to that person? Why did I just make that, you know, Digital gesture. Why did I do that? Because you're broken in need of Jesus. But the moment we see him there, man, we begin to pull it together. We begin, that sound mind comes upon us. That sense, wisdom flows in. We have that power to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to say yes to him. So I wrote here, you know, been given that sound mind, but at times I feel I've certainly lost it. Lost my mind, that is. We've all felt that way. But it's that hope of having that power and that sound mind is just a decision away. Just a, really, using that, that, that you're using your spirit to connect, using that inner man to, to be aware. That's it. That's it. Very simple. Number five. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But unfortunately, I still try. 
Nothing can separate us. I love what it says there. Nothing, nothing you know, under the earth, no demons, Satan himself, nothing on the earth, no peoples, no plan, no government, no uh, policy, n- nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, I did a, a really silly thing recently. I started reading Fox's Book of Martyrs again. I got no chuckles out of you because you... Okay. If you haven't read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you really need to. And why? Because it's a chronicling of all the Christians in the early church who gave their lives for hundreds of years who died for the sake of the gospel. A lot of them were burned at the stake, beheaded, torn asunder. A lot of it later was done by the Catholic Church to Protestants who just wanted to believe that Jesus was Lord. It is amazing. It blows your mind. I think every Christian should read it because these are Christians who gave their lives in modern times to stand for what they believed. And I thought, wow, man, how close are we to that again? To where the tolerant ones finally say, well, we can be tolerant about all things except Christians. And where will we be? But what blew me away in reading about these martyrs was the joy they had in giving their lives. The joy. Some of them laughed and just said, man, you cannot separate me from the love of Jesus right now. You can take this body away. You can take away my freedom. You can take away this. But you know what? I'm good. Because I know who Jesus is. And he is my hope. He is my strength. When all things are stripped away, what remains? What remains? Your stuff. Will you still love Jesus if you had your stuff? Would you still love Jesus if you had your loved ones in your life? Would you still love Jesus if you had whatever you have? It's a good question to ask. But the truth is, in Romans 8, 39, we cannot ever be separated, even though at times we separate ourselves. But what we know about our Heavenly Father, man, is He is so patient, He's so good, And he's so, I mean, it's just like a daddy with an infant who does and wanders off and does something they shouldn't do. Man, he's so patient and loving to us. We need to get that image in our heart and in our mind. We've got to get it there. But we don't need to say, man, that was so awesome. Thank you for forgiving me that. I'll see you in a month. You know? That hope that can be ours over and over again. The love that can be poured in just wave after wave after wave. God says, I will never separate from you. And so if we're lacking any love today, folks, it's because we've drifted away from him. Good news is, just one little decision away. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. And he says, oh, I most certainly will be the center of your life if you want me to. I'm afraid that sometimes our songs is, Lord, be the edges of my life. I'll call you when I need you. Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, come on. Nothing can separate us from, his, uh, from the love of God. Great verse. No demons can do it. Isn't that crazy? A demon can try. They can try to kill you. You know, nothing. No human being can separate us. But the separation can happen so simply, so quickly in us. We need to attack that. We need to, be, to know that, to understand that. We need to very quickly say, I'm not feeling very close to God. Do not invent anything other than the simple reality. Don't say it's the local church. Don't blame Bobby. Don't blame Bobby. Don't blame Lee. Don't blame Dwight. Don't blame your neighbor. Don't blame anybody else. That finger needs to go, mm, ping, right there. Okay? Number six, we have the Holy Spirit. I just need to remember that he's always there. Romans 5, 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. It's put in there. 
In John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he'll teach you all things. Don't you love that? I don't know very much, Pastor David. Hmm. Why? You're not listening to the teacher. Come out, you ask your kid, hey, what did you learn in school today? I don't know. So what do you as parents tell them? Were you listening? Or were you playing, you know, tic-tac-toe on your desk? Or were you wondering about this or wondering about, absolutely, it's always about the distractions, right? Rarely because it's the teacher's fault. Not listening. We have the Holy Spirit. Man, that is so... We don't see that enough. We don't, we don't understand the impact of the Holy Spirit. I feel bad for the Holy Spirit. He's not talked about enough. He's not recognized. He, I, if we did a little skit on it, he'd be over there, okay, wait. Father and Jesus, they get all the news. Nobody ever wants to acknowledge, I'm here, but I'm here. I've been sent. I'm here to comfort you, strengthen you. I'm here to remind you all the things that the Father has said and all the words of Jesus. I'm there to make it all real. So again, Hope at the door, knocking. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, thank you for being in the center of my life. Thank you for giving me a sound mind. Thank you for giving me hope. Pour it in, Holy Spirit. Comfort me. I receive your comfort. I'm ready for it. Bring it on. Number seven, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't that a great verse? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. But I wrote, even the things you don't want to do. Because you look at that verse, and we immediately want to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But remember, that doesn't mean for all those things that you want to do by yourself or in your own strength. What it means is he's going to give you strength to do the things that he wants you to do. And that's when we often, you know, give up a little. That's when we kind of fall back. But where we can hope in this, (laughs) folks, is even when we look at those things and we're looking forward and we say, wow, that's going to be kind of tough. That's going to be tough there. My marriage has got some tough things. My my work, there's some tough things there. My finances are a mess. I mean, that's a tough thing. I don't know what to do to go forward. You know, I've got some relationships. I've been been jumping around, and there's some things in my life I want to see repaired, but... I don't know where to start. God says you can do all things through him who will give you the strength. And not just physical strength. Because physical strength, yes, even though that that falters, but a lot of times it's even more the soul strength. It's it's what it requires. You know, even in the church. Man, this thing is off. (laughs) It was really messing with me. All right, now I'm flying straight, okay. Uh, You know, strengthen me, strengthen you to make those decisions that are so hard, you know, but he's right there. He's right there to help you make them, help me make them. And there are plenty of hard decisions, aren't there? You know, in the culture you know, I was talking with Jim, and, we, and it was nice. Jim and I had a nice long talk, and just ta- sharing with him about where we are as a church and, and different things, and just sharing my heart with him. And he just said, David, well, I mean, he said something to me personally, which was nice. He said, David, I'm proud of you, because I've known him since I was 18 years old, 19. And I remember the days when he had to say some really hard things to me, really hard things. And he was really pastoring me. And when, you know, in those days, some of you remember those days when the prophet, we turned the prophets loose. Woo, those were scary days. But anyway, <laughs> but he, I mean, he just went with a wrecking ball through my life, which was really good. So to hear him over the phone just say, David, I'm proud of you. And he said, it's not an easy thing to live in this world right now and to do what you're doing. He says, David, I travel all over this country And he said, I I see pastors under assault left and right. He was getting ready to go fix a situation that might might destroy a a megachurch. And he just said, David, to stand in these times 
says not many are doing it. A lot of Christians are being swept away by this culture. They're being swept away by, uh, you know, the, this talk of homosexuality, this talk of, of you know, uh, role reversals, and this talk of family. Just be, we're just being washed away by it. And so many Christians are caught up in the eddies and the pools, and, and, and they don't, and it's really kind of even early on for people to even know where it's taking them. But before long, they'll see a leanness to their souls. They'll be, they'll be out there like, how did I get here? And sometimes we have to just absolutely lower our shoulder and fight for what's right. And you know, that's where I've tried to lead us as a church over and over again. But folks, when it comes to making those decisions, I can testify that he'll give you the strength to do it. Even when people laugh about you, even when people mock you for making the decisions you make, even when it flies in the face of what everybody believes and thinks. I mean, there's so many things I just, I just feel like all I am is just this little voice, you know, stepping out in the middle of, what was it? I think it was Kansas City that was the loudest stadium this year, standing out there in the middle of Kansas City Stadium when everybody's screaming and just saying, I don't think that's right. The Bible says, the Bible says, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. That's not what the Bible, no, that, you feel completely swept away. And at times, you know what we'll do as Christians? We'll just give up. But that verse reminds me that I can do anything. Because guess what? He's in charge of it all. He says that he raises up kings and he puts them down. He raises up nations. He can wash them away. God can create an earth and he can take it back apart. He is the God of all gods. And when we keep our mind on him and our, and our focus on him, then I tell you what, it doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter what this culture does. We can stand having done all this stand. And to fight for what is right, that we might experience greater joy and peace and breakthrough later. You know, it's amazing. They say that marijuana use is on the rise among teenagers because they legalized it in a couple of states in our country. Does that mean it's still, is it automatically good? I mean, just, just because they legalized it, it's like, oh, great, we can now use it. No, man, it's going to fry your brain. It's going to fry your brain. They, they, they have shown that long-term use of that causes psychosis later in life. Counseling offices are just filled up with a bunch of the 60s and 70s guys who just fried their brain out. And we all look at that and ignore that. And you just want to say, okay. You know, so much more I want to say, but I'm leaving it alone. But when it comes to all these things, when it comes to standing for what's right, if we can become courageous enough to say, I'm going to, for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord, that's the way I've started this year, as you remember. To say, Lord, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care what they're doing with their family. I don't, know what, I don't care what they're doing with their kids when they go to college. I don't care what they're teaching them. I don't, know what, I don't care any of that. I know what your word says, and I'm sticking to it. Period. All right, moving on here. God's boundaries, number eight, have fallen in pleasant places, but not necessarily in luxurious places. That comes from Psalm 16, verse 6. God's boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. That is a great verse. What did I say? It's Psalm 16, verse 6, am I right? That's what I said. Not sure that's what it actually is. So let me get your Bible out and prove me right or wrong. I think I'm right. God's boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. Oh, man, what a great verse. Great, great verse. But you know what? The least known and probably the least applied. Because here, this, this is the truth. This is the truth. Man, is this ever a verse that America needs? that is so absolutely underwater in debt, it's scary. 
absolutely scary. But you know what? Finding that groove, that place where you can be secure, where you can just say, you know what, this is good. I'm good. Because you know what? It's, you know, it, it really preaches well that God wants us to have everything. God wants me to be happy. God, I mean, that preaches good. You don't hear me doing a lot of that. But I'll tell you what will make you the happiest is finding that groove where you can just say, you know what, this, this is it. This is where God wants me to be. I'm not going to wear myself out to get rich. I'm not going to allow greed to grow in my life, and I'm not going to let that kind of stuff come and let those, those vines grow up and entangle my soul. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to find that place of real peace and, and live there and stay there. It's enough. Wow. That does not preach really well. You know, how about a sermon? It's enough. No, I, who wants to buy that book, right, Randy? I'll be, it's enough. I mean, it's going to sit on the shelf. People don't want to know it's enough. People want to know how to get more. And I understand that. But God's boundaries, once we find them, and how do you know when you get to a boundary? What do you do? Well, you cross it. You cross it. You get on the other side of that boundary and you say, oops, I've gone too far. Because I'm not feeling good anymore. My soul's getting lean. My marriage is suffering. My kids, I don't even know them by name. I, you know, I've gone too far. So what do you do? Go back. Find out where the boundary was. That is where my grace extends. That's where God has said enough. That is where God has said, this is what I've given you. Now live and make the most of that. I want to multiply that. What? One ta- talent? Three talents, five talents. Some get one, some get three, some get five. That's our boundary. Don't look at other people's boundaries. If you want to experience the hope of God in an overwhelming way, if you want to experience the joy of the Lord, which can be your strength, if you want to experience a pleasant life, then find out where that is. Sometimes it takes us most of our life to get there. At 50, I'm pretty sure I know where it is. And sometimes you just have to fall back. And Jim spent half the phone to, you know, encouraging me in those things, but they were just for me, not you. You can't hear them, sorry. Just for me. He'll give you some February 16th. Pleasant places. Pleasant places. But I don't know that we always believe that. We don't believe it. And I think we, there, we have so many testimonies where we would share with one another and say, you know what? Yeah, I went too far. I put too much pressure there. I did this. I did that. There's hope to be had. Contentment. Contentment. Just finding that wonderful zone of just where, you know what? I'm happy with what God has given me and I'm going to make the best of it. Now, I also preached a sermon early on talking about dreams. But you know what? There are some of us who are nowhere near our boundaries. Nowhere near what potential you have. And that's another discussion altogether. Because sometimes we have to get up and realize, whoa, there's so much more I could be doing. I have not come to a bind. I'm nowhere near it. That's where a dream comes in. That's when God needs to get in there and say, man, there's so much more for you to do. And that's wonderful right there. Number nine, I have yet to experience all that God has for me. And I wrote, or I would be dead. Philippians 1.21. Paul said that. He said, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he goes, you know, I think I'll stick around for a little while. Because God doesn't seem to be, you know, taking me home. He said, so there must be more to me to do. And you know what? More for me to do. So if you're in this room today, guess what? You got more to do. More to do. If you're living and breathing, and don't worry about when that time will come. Uh, it'll come. And it's time. I don't, don't focus on that. Don't focus on death. My gosh, don't worry about that at all. If you're a Christian, death, it's the least of your worries. It's to get busy here. So it's interesting how eight and nine go hand in hand. But again, if you're alive, there's more for you to do. There's more for you to engage in. I'd be willing to bet 
that if I got you up here and I, and I just really asked God to give you a prophetic word and we just lined you up, I, I, I would bet that many of you, if not almost all of you, God would have something more that would specifically would speak to you to say, there's a gift in you that's yet to be tapped. Or there was a gift you used in the past that you set down. Or there's more, there's more, there's more that God wants to do in your life. And I, I know I can confidently say that over our church. There's more to do. And in 2014, I'll tell you, we're going forward. We're going to do some things. We're going to focus on that. I'm not going to preach uh, that sermon which is coming. And then finally, number 10, the most wonderful place is awaiting me. And that, they, as they say, is that. 2 Peter 3.13, where it talks about, man, at the end of this journey, we have got a reward coming, folks. We've got heaven, which is awesome. And you know what? The New Testament writers, the thing that they, that, that they really focused on a lot, and if you read your Bible, and if you read it enough, then you're going to get that theme that what they talked about most of the time was not the reward in this life, but the reward in the one to come. I have no idea what this thing's doing. Popping, and it's me. But that is it, folks. That's the reward. None of us are standing up and cheering. And I understand that because, you know, we have fallen in love with the things in this world so much that heaven seems to be dim in its light. But you know what, folks? Man, heaven's going to blow all of this away. This earth, no matter how we shine it, make it gleam, environmentally protect it, the new heaven is going to be thousand times more awesome. No fear. No sadness. Right, Altavis? Mm -mm. None. Rejoined with our loved ones, hanging out with Jesus, Peter, Paul, and Mary, not the band, the people. <laughs> I'm not sure about the band. Anyway. <laughs> it's a wonderful place, and it's awaiting us. And you know what? To have that in our mind is the ultimate force of hope should be now i know when you're young no you're not thinking about heaven i, I understand that and matter, the, matter of fact the heaven to you is getting your first car heaven to you is getting married heaven to you is having that first baby i mean i mean we can go right down the list i mean i understand that that's good i've lived most of that and amen it's awesome heaven's better much much better we shouldn't fear it. We shouldn't uh, withdraw from it. We should not, you know, not, not talk about it. We should understand that, man, I tell you what, it is a source of an, a tremendous, you know, uh, source of joy and hope. Because you know what? Again, it's like knowing that we've won the game before it's ever been played. You know, having been an athlete, man, I remember the nervousness you'd have. And you see those guys on television, and their legs are bouncing. And, man, they're nervous as all get out. Because they don't know what? The outcome. But you know what? We don't have to be nervous. We win. We walk off the field with the trophy, baby. We get to, we get to when, we, when we close our eyes on our last breath, we see Jesus. And what will that sense be? Vacation forever? Uh-huh. No more alarm clocks. Can I get an amen out of that? <clears throat> no more nagging. No more struggling. No, no more bosses over your shoulder. No more anything like that. Just joy. Just peace. Hmm. Good stuff. Folks, we have every reason to hope. Why? Because we're believers. It's because we are Jesus' followers. He said, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. And then in the, re the reward that's coming, he says, you will, you'll see it. You'll see the joy. You'll see the hope. It'll all come to its final, uh, its final place. Andrea, are you here? Andrea, hey, sweetie. Would you come on up here? Because I want to finish with this song that we sang in our worship time. And that is that surrender. I surrender.
You know, the key to hope over and over again is not an engaging of your will. It's a surrendering of it. That's what I have found in my life. It's not me trying to be tougher. It's me, me trying to be weaker. It's not me trying to make something of my life. It's letting him make something of my life. And so I love this song that we were singing. So can we stand up this morning? And I want you to think about this coming year. And really, I want you to just sweep away, just kind of close your eyes right now. I want you to see, sweep away every, you have to, get rid of your to-do list, man. Just drop it out of your mind. Let it go. Sweep away all the things that you hope in your dream. Sweep all that away just for a moment. The fears, the struggles, the confusions, the darkness, all of that. And just let Jesus take your life. And just surrender to him. Hold your hand out. And like a little kindergartner coming out of the classroom, grab a hold of Jesus. And let him take you to where you need to go. Because where he's going to lead us is the most awesome things. A life of peace and of joy victories, wonders. So Lord, we ask you right now to help us. As we sing this song, may we engage our mind. May we engage our will. Folks, that's it. The doorway to freedom is through your will. It's a decision. So as we sing this, raise your hands. Kneel in your seat. Come to the front. Do whatever it takes for you to engage because this is your moment.